Hey guys, this is Coach Kita Bussey with Mike Seifert, Grant Chancellor Madison, and Josh Freilich is our guest today. Welcome to the 180 Firearms Training Podcast. Josh, why don't you go ahead and introduce Introduce yourself for the people who don't know who you are. We do have a lot of international listeners who may or may not know. Tell us who you are. Shame on them if they don't. That's all I have to say. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Uh, Well, I'm a Minnesota boy, uh, which is like the great white north here in the U.S. And it's like 30 below outside here today. And uh, so we are uh, rough and uh, rowdy people. And that's that's uh, where I'm from. Those are my roots. Uh, I'm a gun guy. I like to shoot guns. And uh, for many years, that just meant competition. And it still does. That's still a huge focus area for me. I love the competition shooting sports and all that. But I'm also an avid outdoorsman. So hunting and trapping and all of those things that come along with it. Um, I'm, I'm a gun guy. Like, this is what I do. I pull triggers. I like to go fast. And... Uh, that's that's kind of my deal. So you compete as well. Tell us about your competition background. Sure. Yep. So in 2014, I, uh, I got my first pistol and I wanted to get a pistol to defend our house because realistically, my neighbor got burglarized. And so I was like, well, I'm gonna get a gun just in case something silly happens at my house. And I got the gun, went out to the range, and realized I was terrible. I, <laughs> I couldn't shoot. I couldn't hit what I was aiming at. And so I was like, well, okay, uh, I should practice. And I'm kind of a nut. Uh, and so when it comes to, like, getting good at things, um, if I'm into it, I'm working on it every day. And so I spent probably the next seven or eight months shooting almost every day or dry firing every day, getting comfortable around that pistol. And then uh, I found out there was a thing called IDPA. And I went out and shot a local IDPA match. And uh, I could hit all the targets. Uh, No problem there. You know, everything was close anyway. But there was this one dude there that, like, shot all the things but shot them fast. His name's Andre DeSantel. He shoots PCC. He works at JP. And uh, he, he had been, like, three or four years into the shooting sports. And I was like, that dude shot everything like four times faster than me, and I want to do that. And so I spent the next, I don't know, eight years trying to get as fast as I could with all of the guns that I enjoy shooting uh, and went from IDPA, I don't really shoot that game anymore, uh, to USPSA, three-gun, uh, Ipsic shotgun. I shoot AK racing. You know, I, I race AKs all around the U.S. Um, pretty much if you go fast with a gun – in a sport I like to play that sport and so I pretty much just pick a focus area for the month I pick a match I want to shoot I train for three weeks on a gun and I go to that match and I do the best that I can and I've been doing that for about eight years and really like it so what are some of your main titles that you hold uh well I won uh, the last world shoot for shotgun so I won a gold medal over there that was cool um, won uh, the last couple of years of the Three Gun Nation uh, series, won open division for that, and then uh, I think 40 or 45, uh, th- you know, different area, regional, 
uh, major matches around the country over the last few years. I get pretty frustrated if I don't win. <laughs> I'm, I'm a pretty competitive guy. Not, not to say there aren't great shooters, because there's a lot of great shooters. Love it. And that's not what I mean by that. But I'm driven by winning. And so if I don't win, I get fired up, fed up, and come home and work. And so, um, yeah, my expectation is when I go to an event that I will win that event. And if I don't, I'm not a happy man. So I work hard. Well, I wanted to thank you again for the contribution you made to my book, Smart Move, Economy of Motion for the Shooting Sports. This, if you're watching the audio rip, I'm holding up the book and Josh's contribution is on page 167. Now you have this move, sort of your signature weak side move for lateral movement yep. that I found very interesting. Uh, you actually hold the gun across your body. It's the one. It's the one that I couldn't get behind, man. It's the one that I have tried. You know, I try to emulate <laughs> your game in a lot of different areas, but uh, that that weak side move with the with the weak hand grabbing the gun is just something that I could not get get into. It just doesn't work for me. Now, but, to understand for those yeah. for those of you who don't know Josh, he's he's a bigger he's a big strong guy and has a very yeah. heavy gun. Yep. And he's able to yeah, do things maybe a smaller person wouldn't be able to do. Small man. I'm a small man. Yeah, yeah, that <laughs> might be it. I know, Mike, this is it. So here's the scenario. This is, this is why that move came around. Okay, so it, I call it uh, like a weak side grab or a weak, weak side grip. And it's a transition from right to left. Okay, so strong side to weak side. So I'm a right-handed shooter. So if I'm standing on a wall, around a wall, and I want to shoot right-handed around that wall, and then my next target is down to the left of me, and there's a wall right in front of my face. What do I do? Do I bring the gun in tight, risk breaking a 180? Uh, do I drag the gun behind me? And then when I get to the end of the wall, i got to swing it all the way up and then back out. Or do I do a weak side grip, run with the gun barrel two inches from the wall, and then as soon as I come around the wall, I punch it back out. That's where that came from, and I got comfortable with that, in that tight quarters type shooting. And then I'm like, well, it's more efficient than any of the other moves. Why wouldn't I just use it all the time if I'm going from strong side to weak side? So that's where it came from. And that's where it highlights, like that's where it's best used is that tight quarter stuff so that you can get in, punch the gun back out um, without risking a 180. But now it's just super comfortable. I do it all the time. Yeah, I like, I mean, like thinking about it, if you're going from your right to your left and then you, you're going to be, it's a good way to get the momentum of the gun going that way to help yourself get going. I mean, you are a bigger guy, so you got to use all that that you can. Um, yeah, I normally, I normally would throw that over my shoulder and, and just kind of point the gun barrel down because I'm thinking, I'm not really worried about the 180 because if I'm running kind of that way on a tight wall and, and the guy can see my gun barrel or, or my, my stock over my shoulder, I feel like there's no way that he can call me for a 180 because clearly, you know, my gun is straight. So, um, right, so right. more comfortable with that. But what I really like what you said was you got comfortable with that. Like how important is being comfortable with what you're doing for people that are out there? Um, you know, like dip the, you know, some people try to emulate other people and it doesn't necessarily work for their body type. Um, so how is it, yeah. how important is it to do something that's comfortable for you versus what somebody else does and it works for them? Yeah, well, so it's, it's critical. Uh, what I would say is uh, it doesn't start comfortable, though. Like anything that you do in life, like when you first start it, you're going, man, like I'd rather just do it the way I always did it. And then maybe you, you uh, commit 
to whatever that new thing is that you think, why are they doing that? And, and you think, okay, well, I'm going to dedicate two or three practice sessions to doing it that way. And then I'll make a judgment call. Not, not once or twice, because no matter what I do once or twice, if it's different than my norm, it's not going to be comfortable. It's not going to be good. I mean, I do that with holsters. I do that with gear. I do that with everything. I give it a real legit uh, swing, maybe take a week. And that's the thing that I, that I, that's the way I do the thing, or that's the tool that I use that week. And I put in a ton of reps. And at the end of that week, I've got enough experience to make a judgment call. Um, during a major match, though, if I see something that you do, then I'm like, wow, that looks great. Never going to try it. Like, I'm going to get that week of practice in at home before I ever incorporate some new skill, some new technique, some new position on my belt. Like, none of the things. I don't care how sweet it looked when you did it. Like, until I have reps and personal experience with a technique or a tool or a thing, like, I won't, I won't compete that way. Uh, and so, you know, that's how I look at it. All right, so let's take how, a well, look. Well, how, do, how do you know that you got that? How, like, so you take that week of practice, you see somebody do something at a match, you're like, I'm going to try that. Like, what clicks in your brain that tells you, like, all right, that, like, because, you know, if somebody's doing something and it looks sweet, it's smooth. And, like, you know, like, you know, that's got to feel smooth when you're actually doing it with your body. So, like, is there a point in time where you get enough practice and you're like, oh, that's exactly what it feels like when he's doing that? Because, like, how, how is it? <laughs> how important is it for you to see the third person perspective too? Like, do you have a camera on you from like somebody from behind? Because for me, like how it feels when I'm in the first person behind the gun is different than when I see it. And I'm able to make adjustments based on a video. Like, okay, well, this is how it felt, but like, it didn't look very good. So if I take a bigger step, it might feel a little bit different, but I know that that's what I should be doing based on the camera that's behind me. So like, I, you know, how, <laughs> how do you practice? And then how often do you practice? You say, you know, you go out and take a week. I mean, I know you got the range over at your house, which we're going to get into a little bit. Um, but like, do you go out every day and like, how much do you shoot every day? Yeah. If it's not 30 below. Yeah. I shoot every day. Uh, you know, right now I'm doing a little dry fire, you know, yesterday I, it was maybe zero degrees. And so I drove out there with the pickup shot, three mags, getting the truck warm up, shot three mags, getting the truck warm up. Um, but yeah, I, I, I like to shoot every day. Uh, you know, I, I case of ammo, you know, so whatever. I, I shoot a lot. Uh, I enjoy it. It's a big part of my life. Uh, we do have the range, you know, 20 minutes or 20, 20 minutes, uh, you know, 20 seconds out the front door. Um, nice. And so, like, I, I that's where I take my lunch break during the day job. Uh, you know, on the range, I'm shooting for an hour. You know, like, but so I'd say. Yes, uh, the gut, you have to feel good in, inside, feel confident about that movement. But then also, yeah, I run a camera probably two days a week on my full practice session. And uh, I'll, I'll watch through it and fast forward. Uh, and if there was an area where I'm like, man, I don't know if I'm getting this. I don't know if I'm doing this right. I don't know if this is, uh, this is better or worse. I'll literally cut that section out and then I'll grab some match footage and I'll cut that section out. I go, this was a pretty similar movement, which is better. Like, which looks smoother, which is, which is better. Like, yeah, use tech, use technology, use the tools available. Um, shit, I want to put out cool video anyway for the community, and, and I want to coach. I want to talk through things that I'm learning as I go. And so, you know, those videos can help in that way too. So I'm, you know, I'm using it already. I might as well watch it. All right, let's take a moment here, and we'll throw in a video of Josh shooting so you guys can see exactly what he's talking about. Are you ready? Yep. Stand by.
All right, Josh, so you have an ammo sponsor. Tell us about that. <laughs> yeah, he does. Well, yeah, yeah, I have a great sponsor. Um, yeah, well, let me tell you. So uh, I've had an ammo sponsor. I don't have that today. I have a, a partnership with an ammo company, and I'm, I work closely with their marketing, their product development teams. I, I'm, I'm part of that firm. Like, we work closely together on things. And so it's like I have a job. Uh, yeah. and, and that job uh, is with an ammo company, uh, and I, uh, I'm not an employee, I'm, I'm a 1099, but like I work for that firm. And so um, they, they don't give me ammo to go shoot matches with. It's different than what like you would think of, and you're like, he's a sponsored shooter, and he's got free ammo. It's like, no, that's not what I do. Um, but I get to test all, a bunch of new loads, stuff like, you know, I get to shoot a lot because there's a lot of stuff to test. Um, and so, like, I'm not always shooting my match ammo when I'm training. I'm shooting something new that might be launched a year from now, um, putting it through the ringer, doing stuff like that. Um, so, so, yeah, it's a, it's a huge luxury. You know, I had an ammo sponsor before I came on board with Federal, and that was, that was an ammo sponsor. That's what that was. Uh, and then I moved to Federal, and I became a partner of the firm, and I work really close with that team to make sure that they, we can put out the best product available for uh, the shooting community, and then also that it's going to do all the things that we hope it'll do when it hits the market. And so, um, yeah, I've got a job in the ammo industry. Do you think think that's helped you at the the various world shoots that you've been to because you're not just shooting your specific, it recoils this way, match ammo, you're actually shooting stuff that recoils differently. So when you go to a world shoot, with the match ammo that's provided is different. Do you think that's actually helping you a little bit? Training well, with that kind of ammo? In my scenario, I'd say one, it would. I didn't need to. I, we brought a pallet over for Team USA when I went. Uh, we just brought shotgun shells. I wanted to, everybody to shoot what we were training with all year long. So uh, it was a mess. It was logistically a big challenge, but mm-hmm. we got a pallet of federal shotgun shells over to France. Uh, so that Team USA would be able to compete at a high level. Um, but I do shoot all kinds of random <clears> stuff, and so I, it is a strength. Uh, it does help. I can pick up any gun with any ammo, and within a mag or two, I can shoot it really pretty well um, because I'm always shooting different stuff. And, you know, I think part of that is also what has helped me excel in the different shooting games is, like, if I just shoot pistol all the time, like, maybe there's stuff like a precision trigger press that I would miss, that I wouldn't quite have a handle on because I don't necessarily really need to, but I shoot precision rifle. I shoot three gun. I shoot two twenty threes out to six or 700 yards. I know what a precision trigger press is. And so now if I have a 30 yard small piece of steel or a popper, like I'm not aiming at that piece of steel. I'm aiming at the center of it and I'm pulling the trigger straight back instead of maybe what a normal pistol shooter would think on that shot where they, they think they can get away with yanking it. Like I, I cross train on all the different guns. So I have like all the different gun specific skill sets and they all come together on every gun that I'm shooting. And so I'd say variety in ammo, variety in guns, all those things are cross training and they help make you a better shooter in anything that you pick up. Now, what is the difference in what you see with your vision between the different guns? You mentioned looking for a spot on the steel at 30 yards. Does your vision do anything different when you're using a shotgun versus a rifle versus a pistol? How does that work for you? You know? (laughs) 
I've tried to keep it similar. So you'll notice if you look at any of my guns, like uh, I run very similar reflex uh, dots. I, I run I'm, I run open. So I'm running okay, dots. So you don't shoot iron sights that much? No. No. So it lets me do target focus on pretty much everything. Yeah. So what that allows me to do is a lot less of the different sight pictures. I know what you're talking about, you know, with carry guns and some of that stuff, there's an adjustment there. Um, but I run like the same ding dots on all the guns. Uh, I run vortex glass, six MOA dots on everything. And so six MOA really on everything. Picture. Yeah, everything. Nothing smaller. I like he's got, them old, he's got them older eyes, you know. Do you, you know? So got... <laughs> <laughs> I was just gonna say, do you have presbyopia? <laughs> I doubt it. You're pretty. I don't young. even know what that word means. So no. <laughs> not yet. So no, he does not. Yeah. No, but six MOA. Yeah, I'm running smaller dots. I like I like the two MOA, three MOA. I actually am running SIG dots now, and uh, they have a three MOA. Thank God. Okay, so Josh, obviously, Josh, you're saying that the six MOA dots easier because you just find it quicker and you just bang the target faster. Is that why? That is why. Yeah, I, I you know, you never lose that. Uh, I used to shoot three MOA dots, and they were plenty bright. And I would go down to Universal Shooting Academy in the spring. That sun would be coming over the top of the bay. I've Where's my dot? Forget about it. I'm like, forget about it. That is not, if I can't look at the sun with my dot, it, like, it, obviously I'm not shooting it all the way up all the time. But like in the scenario where I need that type of a dot brightness, I want to look at the sun with the dot on and still see the darn dot. And then that allows me to, yes, be super fast. I can always pick it up. And again, most of the shooting that we do in the action shooting sports, it's not precision. Man, I mean, right. we're slapping triggers, we're going fast, and I'm just going like, I need a flash sight picture in the acceptable target zone on whatever I'm shooting at, and 6MOA is plenty for that. And, All right, time uh, out. So it, it, you've, you've never had a dot go out in the middle of a run or something like that? Oh, yeah, of course. I shoot yeah. a lot. You know, so, uh, so that, I mean, else. I've had that happen a couple times. It, it wasn't a problem. Like I was able, I feel like, you know, if you're behind the same glass all the time and you shoot, you know, you're used to that platform. I feel like whether the dots on or the dots off, you're generally where you think you should be, you know, like, well, this is where my head normally goes. And it's yeah. just like, I know where the bullet's going to hit. So the couple times that that's actually gone off uh, on me in the middle of a stage, I actually crushed the rest of the stage. I was like, maybe I'm, maybe I'm onto something here. Maybe I should take the dot away and just look through the glass. You know, I don't know. <laughs> more shannon's matches so yeah, old right. school shannon smith yeah. universal shooting academy not only is the sun in your eyes but you got half hard cover at 30 yards and uh, a little port to shoot it through i'm like and a 70 like, yard slinger yeah. <laughs> yeah. okay no that's yeah. that is not a fun match to bring a handgun to or anything <laughs> like i mean like i know who, like okay let's have a stage where we have like a 30 or 40 yard popper or a 30 or 40 yard swinger but not all the stage look look that's the, not, prob the problem is and it's not a problem at all is that shannon is a really good shooter and shannon builds matches that are going to challenge shannon so if you're not a really good shooter you're going to have a tough time at shannon matches a good okay another good open shooter and then everyone else, that, you know? everyone else who pitches up with normal guns, you know, and 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 in Shannon's defense, and every other match director's defense, I bet you he'll say, "Well, if you don't like it, you can do it yourself," and nobody wants to step up and do it. So, <laughs> Shannon's. I, I have a question for you about your optics. Have you ever seen where you're looking into the sun with your optic, and there's a fake dot, like a false dot? So basically, there are two dots. Yeah, reflection, sure. 
Yeah, depending on what you're running. Uh, I'd say some of that stuff, You here's what I try to do. So I shoot dots constantly, so I, I kind of got a couple of the tricks down. Um, during make ready, it allows you to um, check out all the angles that you'll probably catch the sun during this course of the stage. So, like, not only do I make sure my stuff's on, but I'll look at different angles into different sets of sunlight, uh, into the shade, into all the things, try to catch a little bit of that sun into my optic and see what that's going to do to it. And then uh, I can adjust or at least mentally be prepared for when that happens on that target. Because like you're saying, Mike, maybe that target or a target on the stage, uh, I should anticipate that the dot will be hard to see. And I'm going to use my thumb. I'm going to drive, and that'll be my index point on the target. And I'll get a good cheek weld and make sure my position's built so I can index correctly on the target. And then I'll get those hits even though I can barely see the dot. Like when you're doing the make ready, you're looking at all those things when you're running optics to try to make sure that you're prepared for any target on the stage. Um, that's what okay. I do. And maybe it takes me an extra three or four seconds, but I'm, I'm doing some funny stuff. If you're, I've had guys like, what were you doing? Like, I'm like, <laughs> well, I want to know what the optics going to do when I hit the right. sunlight. And, uh, that's actually really that's smart. That that's a golden nugget right there. But that is, is. that is a U, that is a USPSA thing though. In Ipsic, you can't do that. So how do you kind of get around that on an Ipsic style match? Valid experience. It'd be just, it, experience. Uh, it'd just fun. Yeah, it'd be like, well, I know what that sun angle is, and I've seen that before, and that target over there is going to give me trouble. Uh, you know, just having reps in. So you know. Anything that we're doing, you know, at any local match, at any practice session, um, I try to stay focused. You know, lately this last year, I've been bringing other people out to my range. For seven years, I trained alone. And, you know, this last year, I started bringing guys out that are taking shooting seriously and that uh, are, you know, they come to train when we come out. And so I probably have somebody here on the range once a week with me. But what that allows me to do then is uh, take a minute between reps. So, like, I'll shoot two or three mags, and then I've got, instead of having 20 mags loaded, I'll just go back and load those mags and then think about those reps, mm -hmm. think about what I caught on that stage, what was weird, what was funny, what didn't feel right. And I've actually learned a lot more as I've started to just take a quick pause during my training session versus just mm -hmm. going out there and hammering. Um, and, you know, things like that are are some of the, the pieces that I'm like, okay, that, that was a challenge. And why was that a challenge? Let me go back to that spot. Let me stand there for a sec. Let me get the gun up. Like what was different about this and why? And then you just include that moving forward. Yeah, yeah. And self-coaching that's called bandwidth feedback that, you know, as an instructor, as you're coaching someone, you want to reduce the amount of feedback you give them and then give them a moment to process on their own and draw their own conclusions and then you can give them feedback after that processing time. So that's called bandwidth feedback, where you actually reduce the amount of feedback you give to your students over time and let them know that if you're not seeing anything, that's actually a good thing. That means they're processing more on their own now. Yeah, so hey, speaking of speaking of teaching and yeah, people out of your range, I mean, I've seen now that you, you're, you're doing something with Tucker Schmidt, doing some kind of rifle training, and um, then I see yep. now that you're doing uh, box-fed shotguns. Um, uh, so yep. is that something that you wanted to talk about a little bit? When is that going to happen? What is it going to include? Like, what are people going to be able to, you know, what are they going to get out of it? Yeah, yeah, happy to. So, I mean, I've been doing private events for, I don't know, 
five years. Um, and so like companies or groups of people will um, hire me to come out and teach and, and do some coaching and whatever, work on a skill or work on a platform or do a thing. And so, uh, you know, historically I've done four or five, six of those a year. Um, you know, now we've got their, our own facility here and I'm like, well, uh, I don't want to travel. I'm tired of travel. Like I, I've, I'm on the road 26, 27 weeks a year. Uh, and I'm like, no, I'm going to travel 12 weeks a year. And uh, if folks want to train, like I've got the best spot to do it. Like come up to my private range, close the gate. Like this is, this is private. This is cool experience. I'm in control of the experience. We've got great brand partners, you know, federal and Vortex have come on board for all of our events. Um, I've got partners like Dissident Arms and JP coming on board for specific events that are, you know, make sense for their platforms. And what it's letting us do is keep costs really low, uh, bring in a bunch of cool instructors to work along with me. Um, and then uh, I'm having like 15, you know, 16 shooters a day come through with two or three instructors, rotate into different areas, try out all the new cool product from the companies that are supporting us. I mean, we're bringing media crews out. So like, not only is it uh, great training, but all the shooters will leave with a bunch of cool reels and stories and Instagram posts and stuff like that, that they'll be able to slap up about their experience. Um, you know, we're, we're trying to do something kind of cool. And, uh, you know, one of the, one of the things I've seen is there's tons of good training out there. Um, but there's, um, there's no, let's be candid. There's not a ton of money if you're just coaching students. It's really hard to travel somewhere, have 10 students waiting for you, get paid and cover your costs and actually call, you know, like make a living doing that. Like real tough. And so I'm like, how do I do something cool for the shooting community? Cause I want to do that. I want to coach students. I enjoy it. I enjoy seeing people improve, but like, I also have to find a way to make a living doing it. And so I'm going, okay, well, if I bring in great companies that help to fund it, and then we drive tons of value for them, their brands, by cool, doing cool media work while we're doing the training. Now I've got brand affiliations. I've got great student experiences. I've got lots of instructors I can bring in. Like now all of a sudden it's something different. And, Everyone wins. Uh, to be able to do it. At, yeah, to do it at home, I'm like, <laughs> now I don't have to travel. I'm like, I'm going to do five of these a year, six of these a year. They're going to be sweet. We're going to have 50 people out for each event and uh, crush, you know, so – that we're basically picking each platform that I like to participate in and that I've done well in and I'm doing an event on it, you know, so, uh, rifle, uh, shotgun, we're doing, uh, AK event, PCC event, and then I'll do a pistol event at the end of the year. And, uh, like, so you want to come train box magazine, fed shotguns with me. You got one chance this year. We're going to have 50 guys out and we're going to have a good time. So like, that's the way I'm doing it this year. And how can they sign up for that? Yeah, so I've got uh, all the registration links are private, but like social media, josh.fralick or Josh Fralick uh, on Instagram. Find me on Facebook. Like you'll find my posts with registration links there. Um, I will vet you. Just a warning. Like I need to know who you are if you're going to come to my facility. Um, but that just means like we're going to have a quick conversation and make sure that you're good people and that uh, uh, the rest of the people here are going to appreciate hanging around with you for the weekend. Uh, like, it's not going to be an investigation, but, like, this private facility, this is my place. And so uh, we will talk, and I do want cool people out here. So, you know, that that is 
that is what we're trying to do. Because you don't necessarily have to be an expert. Like you're no, let, let's go into politics. Do you support gun background checks? No, I'm just kidding. Let's not talk about that. <laughs> well, I have a question for you. We do have a lot of international yeah, so listeners here. What if yeah. international shooters come to the U.S. on a visit? Can they come to your range and train with you? Yeah, for sure. I would do, uh, you know, if they need some kind of uh, event invitation, stuff like that, um, which, you know, I know that can be a thing. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, it is, you know, we've got starting in August, I'm building a, I'm building a nine bedroom lodge that sleeps 18. Uh, that'll be done in August. Then we'll be able to keep people on property, you know, do nice. that right now it's hotels. So until then I'm putting people up at VRBOs and hotels and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this is for now and forever. Like, this is part of the business plan. I'm going to do this moving forward. So we're building something cool. So if there's folks out from outside the country that they're going, hey, I've got six of us or, you know, uh, our, our, our IPSC shotgun team wants to come train. Like, we'll, I'll get an invite sent to you. We'll keep a dozen of you here on property at our lodge, put you up, and have a super cool event. So you know, that's, that's, that's what we're doing moving forward. Hear that, you guys in the UK? Contact Josh. Go stay with Josh for a weekend. <laughs> yeah, so come on out. Be what if they don't want to bring their guns to the US? Do you have guns that they can use for the training? Yep, yep, for sure. So, you know, I shoot for distant arms, make great box magazine, fetch shotguns, JP. Like any, any of the events that I'll host, I've got six, seven, 10 guns uh, that they can, you know, we can use as demos. Uh, loners, stuff like that. We have those for all the events I'm hosting now, and we would certainly be able to facilitate stuff like that. You know, uh, again, uh, we love putting the right gear in people's hands as much as possible and showing them why it's the right gear. And so I'm all about demo guns. I'm all about loner guns and, uh, you know, positive experiences with, with the gear. All right. So why don't you tell us about the gear you use personally? What, what guns yep. do you use for competition? Yep, so uh, from a shotgun perspective, I run a Vepper Malat, so it's a Russian shotgun, and Dissident Arms uh, was important them. You can't import them anymore, so that I don't know when that ends, but uh, uh, I'm running a Dissident Arms Vepper Malat uh, KL-12 shotgun, and uh, just bad to the bone. You know, I, I put over a hundred thousand rounds on my practice gun getting ready for world shoot and you know i broke a couple things like everything breaks but like the base gun uh is still rocking and rolling and so uh 12 gauge recoil is something those those guns are built well um so that that is uh in my opinion the premier open shotgun it's solid and then uh jp rifles so i run uh 223, 6.5 Creedmoor, large frame AR, and PCC, the JP5, um, and I compete with all of those guns, and, you know, JP happens to be about 50 minutes from my house, which is fantastic, you know, you talk about luck of the draw, like, I got the baddest AR company in the world, like, 50 minutes from my house, it's like, how cool is that, uh, pretty neat, and, uh, so, you know, all of the guns there, I'm not, I'm not handy, like, uh, I'm not a Mr. Fix-It. I'm not a gunsmith. And so, you know, like I drop my guns off twice a year. Those guys polish them up, tune them up, nice. give them back, and I just shoot. I put oil in them and I pull triggers. And uh, those guns just work, and they're all the bone stock JP guns. Um, 
which are solid. You don't clean. You don't clean them, but twice a year. So you only drop them all twice a year. You only oil them, no cleaning them. You don't pull them apart doing anything. No, no. JP <laughs> I mean, had all video. I, I don't know if you saw it. Like they were chipping, they were chipping carbon out of your <laughs> out of your muzzle brake. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> so I learned my lesson there. So I can tell you what. I'll show you my muzzle brake now. It's perfect. But yeah, no, I thought you know. Yeah. Yeah, but. So I couldn't drop mine off twice a year. I clean mine almost every match just because I'm like OCD. I shot an MPX for a while, right? So like, you know, if you shoot one of those things, yep. you know, you get you get pretty nervous about cleaning your gun. So I make sure my stuff is always ready to go. But uh, I, mean, yeah. I clean them. I take the bolt out. I wipe them out and <laughs> put oil in it, put them back. That's uh, good. Yeah, but yes, when the when the point of impact changes because your comp's too yeah. full of carbon, <laughs> that's when it's time for a little maintenance. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. For, for pistol, I'm a staccato guy. I shoot staccato XC guns. I was I've been with the company since it was STI, and uh, I've always loved the 2011 platform, and uh, I, I love I love that company. And so um, STI guy, staccato guy, been shooting them for a long time. Uh, good partnership there, make nice stuff. And then for AKs, uh, I'm shooting IWI. So IWI Galil. I, I've been, I shot all the AKs, the Rock and Lock, you, you name it. Uh, I love racing AKs. It's just different. You know, it's just something different. I love the sound they make. Community. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like it. It's fun. Yeah. And uh, so we try, I transitioned. I wasn't going to. I wanted the traditional AK. Uh, and then like 18 months ago, I was at Red October uh, USA great match if you will yeah cool and uh jeremy from iwi is like get over here try one of the <laughs> i was like ah, i don't want to shoot it he's like why i was like i i like the traditional ak he goes just shoot it and if you don't like it then put it down and so i shot it and i was like oh <laughs> can i have one <laughs> yeah okay, i've heard right, great things about the galils yeah they're they're awesome so it didn't take much, you know, I know what's good and when I pick it up and I was like, Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Okay, that. Yep. Game on. That's good. Yeah. yeah. I would just make, if I was trying to bait you over to shoot my gun, I'd just make it like 15 pounds and then be like, you'd probably be like, Oh, I love this thing. So yeah. <laughs> <Wait>. <laughs> the heavier, the better. This thing is solid. <laughs> and obviously your optic of choice is. Yeah. I love Vortex. I mean, uh, kind of a funny story with those guys so about eight years ago right when i first got into competition shooting like well first let me lay the groundwork i'm a marketing guy i'm a sales and marketing guy like that's what i do for a living in the tech space so i work for a tech company and uh i've always done sales and marketing and so when i came to shooting i, I mean i've never had a hobby i didn't get paid something to do like i used to fight in college i got paid and had sponsors like i i wait back up you used to fight yeah. Yeah, what, what kind of fighting art. uh cage fighting really like UFC stuff. yeah <laughs> yeah that's, i paid oh my, my way through college fighting in the cage yeah i did <laughs> not know that some kind that's of that's awesome yeah i don't want to get punched anymore but like okay so you don't you don't talk about fight club anymore <laughs> <laughs> No, it's all fun. Uh, but I've always had I've always had sales and marketing, and so like I always found ways to have partners and, and and do stuff. And so when I got into shooting sports, I was like, man, I uh, I bought my first scope. It was a Vortex Viper one to four, 
I was like, this is cool. I'm like, I want to, I want to work with these guys. And so, uh, I sent a message to the owner. Uh, you know, that's what I do. I, I reach out to executives. That's my job. And I was like, Hey, listen, I bought your product. I like your product. I'm a new shooter. And if you send me a ball cap with your logo on it and a throw lever for my new scope that I bought, uh, I'm going to spend the rest of the year showing that I can crush it for you and your brand. The guys like, okay. Uh, and, uh, you know, 12 months later, they're like, all right, what do, what do you need? Cause you can, <laughs> crush it. so I was like, okay, sweet. Like, uh, you know, that was, that was how that one started a throw lever and a ball cap and me working my ass off that rest of the year, yeah. to show them that I was worth, worth investing in. Um, you know, there's golden nugget number two for all the listeners there, you know, <laughs> yeah. yeah, no expectations, just crush, uh, yeah. and, and you'll be too valuable to get rid of at a certain point. All right. I have so, to ask you this question because we asked yeah. Christian Seiler and his answer was super weird to me. Where do you zero your open pistol? At what distance? 50 yards. 50. Five zero. Oh. You were right, Mike. I know. I th- I've shot with Josh a few times, and so we we've had this discussion. And you know, remember I said you that target at forty-seven yards because I had so my range finder at forty-seven yards. <laughs> do you do a PCC at fifty yards as well? Yep, everything is fifty. Everything. So it's all the same. Everything. That's why, guns. because you show you shoot so many platforms. Is it just for consistency purposes, yeah. or do you have another reason? It, it, no, it is because when I'm shooting and I'm racing, I'm not thinking about where to hold. I'm just shooting, and I know that uh, I shoot dots, so I have uh, some holdover on every platform, some, okay? Gotcha. And so um, if I shoot uh, 20-yard zero or 15-yard zero on pistol, and I shoot 50 on everything else, now all of a sudden I'm going to have different holdover above my mm-hmm. point of aim, point of impact. And so I shoot everything uh, with a 50-yard zero, and then up close I hold a little high. And uh, because I do that, I shoot on instinct. I don't think about where uh, the round's going to go. I just pull triggers. And, you know, I just naturally, my point of aim, if I were to come up on a seven-yard head box, my dot's on the top edge of the target, and I know I'm shooting an alpha. And uh, it's just that is how I shoot. And then everything between 30, 70 yards, I just aim at what I want to hit. And, you know, I've just always shot that way. So. I've got, you know, maybe 20 different platforms, 20 different kinds of guns with a 50 yard zero on everything. That's a very unique situation though. And I, mm-hmm. I mean, it's familiarization yeah. of your multiple platforms. It's not necessarily the best way to do it. It's the best way for you to do it because of what you do. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And I'll tell people that, you know, guys will be like, where do you zero your PCC at? And I'll be like, well, okay. Uh, what game do you you play it's a conversation before you tell them the answer yeah 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 because i mean if i'm shooting uspsa and that's the only game i'm shooting i'm probably 25 yards so that way i know i've got a little bit of holdover up close still but then everything within 15 and 45 yards i am at the middle and i hit where i want you know like um it matters uh, it matters the application how many games you play, how many different platforms you want to be proficient on. And if it's just one or it's just a couple, sure, I guess you could be more flexible. I would I'd challenge that even though. If, if you're shooting more than one thing um, and, like, different games, 
uh, like the closer you can be on that. I mean, man, I, I want to shoot on instinct. I want to shoot instinctively. When that buzzer goes off, I want to be able to think about all of the other things, not where I'm holding my sights. You know, so like consistency there is a big deal to me. Yeah, especially if you only have three weeks of actual training on the platform before a, a major match. Yeah, okay, I mean, now you've yeah. shot... Well, that, that's, I wanted to just say something. I mean, that's what a lot of people don't think about when they're shooting is like, you know, I'm thinking about that. Josh is thinking about that. It's, you know, that is probably what, Josh? Maybe a tenth, you know, to confirm your site and then taking, you know, that's why if you just, if you can save those tenths all around a, a course of fire, you know, you're going to make up a lot of your time and, and your times are going to get better. So like Josh does his, his uh, sites at 50 because he knows where his holdover is going to be and he doesn't have to think about it. He just puts a dot where it's supposed to be and pulls a trigger. Whereas if you have to think about it, even for that 10 of a second, every single time you pull the trigger, that adds up over, you know, over the length of a match. So, you know, it's all those little things that, you know, if you're trying to get better out there and um, you're looking to get faster, you know, you got to look at the things that are going to save you tense in a lot of different spots. So I think that's smart. So Josh, you've shot both USPSA and IPSC, correct? Yeah. Yep. Have you done IPSC with pistol? No, I, I, well, I mean, I've shot one IPSC match in my life. Uh, and uh, so, I, no, I don't have a ton of experience. It was just shotgun. Um, okay. Where was, well, where was your match that you shot? Yeah. Uh, World Shoot. World Shoot. Yeah. So with USPSA, our targets tend to be closer and more open. In IPSC, they tend to be farther, more difficult, smaller steel, more complicated mover sequences and things like that. Do you think it's a good idea to zero your open pistol differently for IPSC than you would for USPSA? No, no. You would keep it the same to stay consistent. Not unless you got a long time to train and you want to change it. Like, you know. uh, Well, let's say you you do. You asked me one. Mike did. Uh, he asked me about PCC zero for a match. He goes, this match is supposed to have target. I was like, shoot, whatever you always shoot, dude, don't change it for this event. <laughs> Cause you're going to hold. I got, when I just, on and you're going I got my ass kicked at that match with a 30 yards, five inch plates. And after that match, I went home and I now shoot a 25 yard zero on my PCC. And it took a little bit getting used to, cause I, I had to hold over everything, but yeah, no, I learned my lesson. That day or that weekend. Yeah, because you, you, zeroed your, you zeroed your PCC at 10 yards or something. Ridiculous. 10 yards and then trying to shoot five-inch plates just guessing on how low I had to hold that, it. That was the opposite spectrum of incorrect. Okay. <laughs> Got Josh staring at me the whole time like, oh, God, this is just – this is this is great, Mike, you know? So, yeah, and I went home and I changed mine to 25. I feel much better about that. I'm used to it at this point. It did take a little while, though, and Josh is – you know, what he was just saying is I don't know how you go back and forth from one match to the next doing one and the other. I mean, that – that's where you'd be confirming your dot. Like, oh, well, now I got to think about it. Like, where am I going to hold for this gun that I'm shooting today? So that's where Josh's thing with consistency, I think, is smart. No, I mean, what I mean is, let's say you know you're going to the world shoot and you're on the U.S. team. You have three years to train and you decide, oh, maybe I should switch up where I zero my gun. So it's a little more appropriate for IPS. Anything in three years. So you do anything in a month. I mean. Well, yeah. Yeah, but. But even still, like zero doesn't matter. Zero doesn't matter. What matters is that you know it. That's the only thing that matters. Yeah. So like as long as Thank you know you. it, and that's it. Because uh, you know, there's not like a right answer to any of it. 
it's like just do you know it? Like what is where is it hit at seventy yards? Where is it hit at twenty yards? Where is it hit yeah. at ten? If you know the answers, sweet. Like you're good. I think that actually could be applied to like a lot of like a lot of things, especially like the whole one twenty four versus one forty seven grain bullet weight thing. I was like, (laughs) do you know it? Okay, well then run it. Yeah, that's a fantastic answer. I'm so glad you said that. Right. So, Mike, you had a question about plateauing. Oh yeah, yeah. No. So I mean, like, have you ever hit? Yeah, I'm sure you have. I mean, everybody goes through it, but like, where you feel like you're plateauing in your ability and you're just like, you're practicing and you don't feel like you're getting any better. And like, what, what have you done to get through that? Is that like a mental thing or is that just like, I just got to shoot more and eventually just kind of grind my way through it practicing. Um, and then like, what was your epiphany moment? If you remember one, like coming out of it where you like, you knew you, you turned that corner and you kind of, you're, you're onto the next level and onto the next thing where you're, whatever you were struggling with getting over, you're over it, you know? good question uh it took me a long time to figure it out i mean the short answer is as long as i'm excited about shooting i'll continue to improve okay and i don't mean like excited woohoo i get to go shoot i mean like mentally thinking about it in a positive way all day long like it's in my mind i can't get it out i can't shake it like this is what i'm passionate about if i'm there i'll continue to improve it Um, and what I found was for the first six years of my shooting career, I didn't take any breaks. And that slowly dwindled that last year where I was like, I don't even know if I want to do this anymore. Like, maybe I don't want to do this anymore. And I was like, well, I love this, but like, I'm so annoyed. It feels like I just, I need a break. That's, that's what I need. I need a break. And so, uh, I took a break in, I think it was 2019 for like two months and just went hunting. Uh, and just relaxed and hung around with family and like uh, made pancakes for breakfast and just just hung out at the house like totally chill didn't pull a trigger unless I was you know killing something Uh, and uh, like when I got fired up to come back out and shoot in January I felt like a new shooter I was so excited to get back out on the range so fired up and that carried me all the way through the year so it's a break for me I need a break if I lose the passion uh, it's a problem. And by taking small breaks, uh, it makes me really appreciate the things we do. And, and, and that works for a career perspective. It doesn't always work during the course of a season. You know, so like, let's say I got a big match uh, in October and I start feeling fried in, in August. Well, I'm going to grind. I'm going to push that through uh, until that event is over because you know, a, a break then will hurt me more than uh, it would help me because I can mentally stay tough for a month and a half, even if I'm, I'm starting to feel burnout. But like, uh, I do need to train consistently to compete well at that event. But career-wise, I need a break on an annual basis to just like, even if I want to train, no, I'm not shooting. Put it down, forget about it. So that way I get this just fired up excitement when it's time to train again. And I can't put the dang guns down. Like uh, I'm so fired up, and I'm so so ready to go. And so that's that's how I've dealt with it. And that turned away, you know, that turned around my whole mindset, and uh, it, it's made me a much better shooter. All right. So a lot of people get nervous about taking that break because they think they're going to lose their skill. But the science actually shows that <laughs> it helps incorporate it into long-term memory, and you pick it up again really fast, and then you can actually take a leap. Can you tell us about that? What happens when you do pick up that gun again? Yeah, like within 
a couple of trainings. The first training session is painful. I have to just check pride at the door. I'm going to do that training session myself. I don't need anybody <laughs> seeing me shoot that bad. Uh, but, you know, after a couple of days on the range, because, you know, when I grind, I'll get right back in it. So, you know, like I'll shoot three, four, five, six days in a row. By the end of the first week, I am the same shooter that put the guns down two months earlier. Like I am there. Maybe not with visual speed yet. That takes a little bit of training. That takes consistent effort. So maybe, you know, my visual speed isn't caught back up, and I do some things to bring that back. But um, everything else, the manipulations, all that stuff is still there, loading mags, all the movement. Like I, my body knows what to do. Like I, I, I'm so focused in this area that a little break doesn't hurt. It's, it's the only thing that is that visual, that visual speed. That needs now, when you talk about visual speed training, are you talking about the different sort of what you need to see on each different type of target? Or what are you talking about when you say visual speed? Yeah, so I, I'd say like when I'm shooting at my best, um, I see things almost in slow motion. I see target in center, uh, a dot in center of target, I feel super solid trigger press, boom, 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 and I'm shooting plate racks like like just flying through it, right? And it, like if I watch it in video, I'm like, dang, I crushed it. But in my head, I'm going, I just shot all the targets. Like mm -hmm. I don't know if that was a good run or not. Uh, and like so like it's where I'm not impressed with my shooting speed mentally, but like if I were to watch it, I'm like, holy cow, I'm crushing. And so like that's the visual speed where like all the details there. Not only is the dot on the target the dot in the center of the target, I feel the trigger press, and all of that happens four times, five times a second, you know, while I'm hitting four or five different targets, just crushing. Like, I need to be able to see that fast and feel all the details that fast. And that comes, uh, you know, through consistent focused effort. I do a couple things to do that. Uh, one of the things is I remove recoil and I remove uh, – I remove the concussion, all of those things. I shoot an open gun. So, like, I'll shoot a legit open gun, frame mount optic uh, the first week of my training. Uh, I don't compete with those guns. I compete with a slide ride dot gun. It doesn't shoot as flat. You deal with more recoil. Um, but when I first pick the gun up, I want to eliminate recoil from that equation so that I can just start to see fast again. I do that with an AR as well, where I'll just drive that gun super, super hard. And I don't have to worry about anything except for seeing and pulling the trigger. And that helps me get back up to speed really fast. Um, shotgun, I don't even break that out for the first couple of weeks because you're dealing with so much recoil and so much concussion when you're shooting that, that that's what you're learning to deal with where, you know, like I need things that shooting a 22, that's another way. Like if you got a, you know, like a rimfire AR or something like that, or a rimfire pistol yep. running plate racks with that thing, will help you to get back up to speed real fast because you're eliminating some of the difficult pieces. My grip doesn't matter. Uh, you know, the recoil management almost doesn't matter in that spot. Like, all that matters is trigger press and sight, sight picture uh, because I've got less to deal with. Yeah. I have sort of a controversial question for you about shooting a plate rack. So a lot of yeah. guys think it's think that you get your eyes to the next plate outside the optic. And a lot of other guys think you get to the next plate within the window of the optic if your window is big enough. What is your preferred yep. method? Yeah, it depends on the distance. Uh, you know, you're away from that that rack. 
but I would say as often as possible, my general guide is to always keep the next target in the window. Um, I do that with long-range rifle shooting as well. So plate rack is that way for me where if I can, if I'm close enough, uh, I never leave the dot. I never, like I never leave the window, I should say, not the dot. I'm not looking at the dot. But uh, I never leave the window. Um, an ex extreme example of this is, is like with three gunning. So with long-range rifle shooting, a uh, lot of folks that are newer will slam that optic up to like six power. Okay, so we're shooting three, four, five, six hundred yards. And it's nice to be able to see a big old target at like six power, but I want to see the next target that I'm going to shoot in the window at the same time. And so I'll shoot it all at like three power so that I've got the next target in the window and I never have to pick my head up, never have to leave the glass for that next target. And so I'll shoot pistol that way. I'll shoot PCC, all the guns that way. And I guess that rifle piece is probably the most extreme example of it where I'm trying to figure out what's the most magnification I can get away with on that platform and still have the next target in the window uh, so that I, I've got a faster transition to getting back on target on the next one. So, so on your PCC, so are, you mounting your, are you mounting your optic a little bit further back than right over the ejection port so you can kind of see more window? Nope, right up front. Uh, I run two, so I run two dots on everything. And so uh, the back is just for my offset, my redundant dot uh, for hard links, things like that. And then uh, I run that primary dot up by the ejection port all the way. Um, just make it work. If I'm too far away, then I, it is what it is. Uh, you know, you almost forget you're looking through a window with a reflex dot that has no magnification. Um, so the same general principle applies where I'm, I'm not really leaving the window. I'm not doing that eye snap transition thing that I would do on a, like a big big swing transition. I'm not doing any of that on those close targets like that. Even on like uh, El Presere, forget about it. I'm not snapping to the next target. Like I'm hammering the whole time um, like because the target's right there. Like, I don't have much visual work to do here. It's just about getting on the gun and getting to the next target. And so I guess um, it does depend on the difficulty of the transition in the distance from the target for sure. And, but uh, as much as possible, I'm staying in the scope, um, staying behind the gun and not worried about moving my head or eyes, uh, just bringing the gun where I want to go.